Good evening and welcome to this episode of Beef Tips and Gravy. I'm John Houston, Director of Business Services with Protrition Feed. We're glad you're joining us tonight. We are here on the campus of the University of Tennessee, Middle Tennessee Research and Education Center, here in the Bull Barn, where there will be a bull sale here January the 12th. Mark that on your calendar and be sure to make plans to attend. If you're looking for a good herd sire, you can sure find one right here at the Middle Tennessee Research and Education Center when they sail January the 12th. I'm also pleased to have the director of the Middle Tennessee Research and Education Center right here beside me, Mr. Kevin Thompson. Kevin, thank you for being our guest today. We certainly appreciate you being here. We want to talk just a little bit about the bull test. We want to talk a little bit about its history and really talk about bull selection and some things in this episode. So we look forward uh, to doing that. Uh, but as we start, let's just go into some history. I think uh, we would be amiss if we didn't recognize the efforts of the late Dr. David Kirkpatrick and mm-hmm. how much he loved this bull test and how involved he was in it. And certainly uh, we both go back to our days at the university and and getting to know Dr. Kirkpatrick and what a a legend in reproductive physiology really that he that he was and so any comments you would make about Dr. Dr. Kirkpatrick and his involvement with the bull test. So Dr. Kirkpatrick John really uh, put his his uh, his fingerprints all over this program and I would state you know this program he was involved with it from its inception in the early 70s and and this is a program that really involves University of Tennessee Extension and Ag Research uh, as a combined effort to truly benefit our state's cow-calf producers and our state's seed stock producers. And I, I dare say the influence that Dr. Kirkpatrick had has brought many, many dollars into the agricultural economy throughout the state for so many years just simply because of the genetic improvement that this program has brought about. And he had true a true heart uh, for helping producers and a true heart for breeding quality livestock. And, and it, there's no greater evidence than that uh, here in Spring Hill, Tennessee at the UT Bull Test or UT Bull uh, Development and Evaluation Program. And, and I tell you what, John, it's just truly, truly hard to fill his shoes. You never know what an individual does and the impact they have until they're gone. And that happened to us a couple of years ago when he stepped down because of health reasons. And, and so that became in large part our responsibility here. And we really saw at that time how much work it takes. And, and so we're doing our best to carry on the legacy that he left us to carry on and to be true stewards of, of, of these purebred bulls that come through here and impacting the future, really, of, of the feeder cattle produced in the state of Tennessee. So thank you so much for, for remembering him. Well, you know, there's nobody that uh, enjoyed working with producers more, uh, I don't believe, than Dr. Kirkpatrick. So certainly wanted to recognize him and his yeah. His contribution and that real impact that he Amen. had on this uh, on this bull test. Amen. So we want to move on here and talk just a little bit about the bulls. Certainly, this morning uh, we uh, got to wa- watch as you your folks work the bulls and process the bulls, and and it's certainly uh, one thing to brag on is the way that your crew yeah. worked these bulls and how easy and how yeah. how. Things flowed and just the real ease, the just really no stress on the bulls yep. and and uh, pushing them up with your horse and being able to. Ha- everybody knew their job. Everybody yep, did their job, and it was just so good to see a crew that really knows what they're doing yeah. and to work those bulls in such a way where they're just 
I mean, just really no stress on the bulls at all. So yeah. uh, congratulations to your team for, for the way they work those bulls. Yeah. Uh, so if we talk about bulls, Kevin, uh, just, just for a minute, you know, we can talk about a bull or we can talk about a herd sire. Right. And, and to, uh, to us and with the uh, cattle enhancement program and the ag enhancement program that the Department of Agriculture oversees, we've been able, I think, over the years to really improve the quality of these bulls. Yes. Uh, not, not, not in all in part to that, but a large part contributed to, to that. And, and uh, we look at the quality of genetics yes. that are here uh, in this in this test, uh, certainly we we can see that. Uh, so tell me just a little bit about the difference between a bull and a herd sire. Sure, and that, that's such a good point, John. And you know, a bull is is something that winds up at, at our at our weekly auctions and is is purchased and and taken home for really you know commodity uh, production and converted into a steer later uh, and goes on to 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 be harvested as you know in its primal cuts. Uh, after harvest. And a, a herd sire is something that goes on to have the potential and has the genetic uh, material, the makeup, uh, to make uh, quality uh, steers, not only that will go on to be harvested and, and to continue hopefully producing those great steaks and hamburger and roasts and other cuts that, that our uh, customers so much enjoy, but even more importantly, has the genetic material from a maternal standpoint combined with those carcass traits and those growth traits to make quality replacement females that can go back into the herds here in the state of Tennessee and produce, continue to producing quality cattle. And, and I really like to tell folks, you know, it really starts with these pr prospective herd sires, but the building blocks are truly the daughters that are produced sure. from uh, these bulls. And that's what really makes the impact out there. And and just to avert back from your previous comment, I truly appreciate you recognizing the, the low stress way that we handle cattle. And we take it serious here uh, at, at the bull test program to handle these bulls uh, with respect and to make sure that we wind up with a very docile bull at the end. Because as we all know, bulls are really responsible for many of the, the farm accidents out there. And if we can do one thing, we want to make sure that we put a bull out that's extremely docile and is not going to give trouble as they get uh, they get older and older. So tell me just a little bit. Walk us through the process of the performance test that you're you're starting here. I guess this week, yes. uh, uh, and you know the bulls will go and be sold as we mentioned on January the twelfth. Yes. But yes. but walk us through. Uh, what you're trying to do, what you're trying to capture, and, and, yeah. and how you go about that. So. So it's a program that's, that's not changed a lot since the early 70s because it's got the same purpose in mind, and that's to provide an endpoint of a bull that's really ready to go out and to work that possesses the genetic material, but also uh, has information built into that. So we as producers and our, our producers that show up here January 12th have a whole catalog of information that can make sure they make a correct and educated decision uh, because you're still buying a young bull. And, and so the more information we have, the better decision that we can make and obviously the meet, meet the goals of our operation. So two weeks ago, John, we received uh, 
99 bulls uh, from consigners across the state of Tennessee, some really reputation, uh, reputation consigners that have participated in, in this program from its beginning, but also, and very excitingly, uh, new and younger producers that, that have never participated before. We always like to see that. For a healthy program, I think that gives us evidence that that, that is occurring. Uh, so two weeks ago, so we give them two weeks to warm up on a, on a new ration, and, and this co-op feed as a completely pelleted uh, feed, as you know, uh, and it's something that we truly, truly appreciate the quality of the pellet. And I know that's not necessarily a, a common talking point in the in the coffee shops and and, and the restaurants uh, among producers, but it's something we pay a lot of attention to because of the integrity of that pellet really determines the overall health of that gut as these bulls go through the test. So we get them used to that feed for a two week period. Uh, and then, as you saw today, today was their final of two weights, which will be averaged to make their starting weight on test. And then every 28 days, we'll weigh them again, and it's an 84-day weigh period. So we'll have three weigh periods. And at the conclusion of that 84-day period, we give them a back-off period so they can become fit, uh, get, get a little more uh, energetic and, and get off the full feed because some of these bulls, John will be per, will be consuming 35 to 40 pounds Absolutely. per head of feed a day, um, and we do that to see how these perform these cattle perform in really a feeding type environment because that directly influences and impacts how their male offspring are going to perform in the feedlot. So it gives us an understanding of performance and genetic potential uh, for siring uh, that future performance in their offspring. Then these bulls, once they've completed the test, will be ratioed. And if they ratio at a certain level, they'll qualify for the, the sale coming up in January. If they qualify on gain and obviously structural soundness, we monitor that very closely and we actually take foot scores on these bulls uh, to make sure that these bulls aren't only sound when they leave here January 12th, but four years down the road, they're still a sound bull. Um, so once they complete all that, they go through a breeding soundness exam. And this breeding soundness exam goes into a lot of detail related to their ability to reproduce and go out there and, and cover the ground, uh, locate the cows that, that are in standing estrus and get them bred in an efficient amount of time, very short amount of time, so that these producers can maintain a, a confined breeding season and be able to market uh, their steers and heifers in uniform uh, lots. and. And uh, another thing that I think is very unique about this program is we have a catalog and information database that, that really covers everything from hip height uh, to weight per day of age, um, uh, adjusted uh, weaning weight, 365-day uh, weight ratios. Uh, then we have all the expected progeny differences uh, that, that each breed association publishes. And tied to that, we have all the performance data that we collected on these bulls when they've gone through. So a producer has the ability to open that catalog and look at it, but more importantly, he has the ability or she has the ability to come here and actually visualize the bull anytime from now until January the 12th. Uh, so we can actually put the visual um, inspection and combine it with what we like and what we're looking for to meet our goals from a genetic standpoint in the catalog and put all that together and make a good buying decision. So, so all of this data is, is something that, that a lot of producers are still trying to wrap their head yes. around, you know, Kevin. And, and, and so if I'm just a general producer and I'm, I'm looking, 
you know, for a herd sire, and I've got all this data, and we, you know, you and I talk EPD, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. talk all this, but but what tell a producer what EPD, what 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 do these pluses and minuses mean sure, when sure. you're looking at it? So. Absolutely. So expected progeny differences have been around for quite a while. And basically what that tells us within breeds, so they're specific to breeds. So if we're talking about Angus bulls, the, the Angus Association prints EPDs for, for calving ease score. So if we've got issues on our in our herd where we've had to pull a lot of calves, we want to pay attention to calving ease direct. CED is how it's is presented in the catalog. And the higher that numerical number is, the easier that calf should be uh, born or go through the parturition process. And then we also combine that with, if we're talking about calving difficulty, the birth weight EPD. Uh, the birth weight EPD is one that ranks bulls uh, within that Angus breed or within that Simmental breed or the Hereford breed uh, against each other and against the average. So we can actually combine birth weight and calving ease direct to, to, to focus on purchasing a bull that's, that's, that's desirable in both those traits to reduce calving difficulties in our operation. But basically, uh, those EPDs are tools that we can utilize to compare a group of bulls of the same breed. Now, something that's that's relatively new on the scene and is really, I think, going to be more impactful, John, than, than expected progeny differences are indexes. So you, right. you look in the back of these catalogs and you see all these things with dollar values uh, on them, uh, dollar weaning, uh, 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 dollars net energy, uh, dollars beef, uh, dollars carcass. So what those are, it puts multiple EPDs together. So most of these EPDs we have are individual traits, right? We're measuring birth weight, we're measuring weaning weight, we're measuring yearling weight, we're measuring maternal milk, et cetera, et cetera, and docility. Uh, so what these dollar values do, it takes a grouping of those and puts them into one figure so that we can make sure that we're not biasing by single trait selection, but we're actually using all the traits that help us make sure uh, that we are more profitable. And and so that's something to look at also. So you talked about, you know, calving ease and, and what, you know, I got into a discussion about bulls uh, recently and I was kept talking about a heifer bull, a heifer uh-huh. bull. That, and you and I understand our lingo, but, yes, but this yes. person didn't understand how a, a, a bovine could be both a heifer and a bull. So I, I was refer, referring, so t- yes. t- talk to me just a little bit about yes. when we refer to a heifer bull, what, yeah. we're, what we're talking about. I can see how that would be confusing. <laughs> so lots of times when we're talking about a heifer bull, that means we are here to purchase a bull that we can actually use on our first calf heifers, our virgin females out there, which are which are in that 750 to 850 pound range uh, whenever we start the, the, the process of breeding. So we turn that bull in. Uh, by the time those heifers calve, hopefully they're going to be, you know, in that uh, 14 uh, to 16 uh, uh, a month old range and, and uh, actually be approaching two-year-olds. We want to breed them at 14 to 16 months of age so that they can, they can calve as two-year-olds. So at that time, uh, they've still not reached their mature weight. So physically, they're smaller. So that's why we need a bull to ensure that we're going to have a smaller calf. Uh, and that's something that, that's very important. We talk about small calves. We can go too far to the extremes 
And that's where I think this calving ease direct comes into play to help us with our birth weight. So we need to be using both of those traits to make sure that, that we're focused on getting not only a calf that is, that is smaller and more appropriate for, for our heifers, uh, but also is born easily. And, and if we really want to get technical and think about this, these two traits can be utilized together because we as beef producers know that, that pounds is, are, are, is still what sells. And we know that birth weight is correlated positively to weaning weight. So the heavier the birth weight, the heavier the weaning weight. So theoretically, if we have heavier weaning weights, we're going to be more profitable. Well, we don't want to just go out and breed a heavy... We don't want to breed a cow bull, so I'll call that a cow bull, one that we're comfortable breeding to cows, which is going to have heavier calves at birth, to a heifer. But we can utilize that calving ease direct to push the limits a little bit on these heifer bulls to make sure we're still going to get a calf that's born easily, but also we're not giving up a lot when it comes to weaning as well. It makes us a more efficient uh, producer. So, Kevin, as I walked through the barn earlier today, I saw... At least three breeds yes. back there. Uh, uh, what breeds are, are you putting on test now? We we are super excited this year. So this is we're setting we're setting new trends, John. Uh, this is the first time that we've had an equal amount of, of of bulls from two different breeds. So historically, and and I think rightfully so. Um, uh, the Angus breed has really dominated uh, this test program. We've always had the majority of Angus bulls. There's a tremendous amount of Angus producers in this state. But there's also been a deficit and a great need uh, for other breeds to participate in this program. And one of the breeds that has really stepped up, and that's because of the positive economic impact it's bringing not only to our state's commercial produce, cow-calf producers, but also nationally, and that's the Simital Association. Uh, the Simital breed has really stepped up this year. Uh, historically, we've had, you know, 20 to, to 25 really good Simital Sim Angus bulls because we've got a core of really progressive producers that really pay attention to genetics. They pay attention to docility and disposition and, and they also pay attention to, to their customers. They follow up with the bulls they sell. Well, so this year it's, it's almost doubled. We actually have, uh, 40, 43, 40, 40, let's say 40 plus Simital Sim Angus bulls, and we have 40 plus Angus bulls. Um, so we've actually got equal numbers of those. So Angus, Simital, Sim Angus, and I'll tell you what, a breed that really, really will make an impression on you if you want to come by here and look at it, and that's the Hereford breed. Uh, we have some of the best Herefords in the industry located here in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now we've got a limited number of those. I think we've only got uh, eight, uh, here, nine, ten here on test. Um, but I tell you what, the quality is tremendous. And and so just any time you'd like to come by and look at these bulls, please do. And and I would like to state, you know, every breed that participates here has a purpose. You know, the Angus breed, we all know what they've done over the years for maternal and carcass quality, right? The Sim Angus breed brings in um, a tremendous amount of yield potential, a lot of muscle, but it maintains a really maternal package as well. And when crossed with some Angus cows, we're able to maintain a very uniform color pattern because the majority of these Sim Angus bulls here are homozygous black and homozygous polled, 
Well, we maintain, we maintain that commonality and that uniformity of color, but we add yield, we add pounds, which was directly impacts profitability. Uh, and then these Hereford bulls, if you look at these Hereford bulls, they provide so much economic impact from the ability to take those bulls home and put them on an Angus-based herd and produce F1s uh, and bring a tremendous amount of value through heterosis. Absolutely. You know, Kevin, it gives me great pride as I drive across this great state when I see that yes. Tennessee brand Amen. on a bull. Amen. And, uh, you know, it, it gives me great pride to know that, that where that bull uh, was yep. where where he was purchased, yes. and uh, you know, as a as a University of Tennessee uh, ag alum, that Amen. gives you gives you great pride. And and as I go through the barn and see see the quality yes. of, the, of the bulls, and you know, and it also is a little bit surreal to be here in the sale barn yep. where yep. many years ago I would come, and I'm sitting about where. The great auctioneer, the late Charlie Yaunt, set, and yep. uh, you're sitting about where yep. da Dr. David That's Kirkpatrick right. set. Yep. And it is a little bit surreal to be yes. be here, but uh, yes. certainly appreciate your time today Absolutely. in talking about these bulls. Once again, I want our audience to remember January the 12th to be here. If you're looking for a great herd sire, you can come right here. And I promise you, you'll find a herd sire that will uh, improve your herd and that you can be proud of right here on January the 12th. If you have any questions uh, about uh, any products, any of the feed products or anything, see your local co-op. And once again, thank you, Kevin, Absolutely. for being with us today. Mm -hmm.